All right, guys, uh, we're going to get to the episode real quick here. But firstly, we just wanted to address something uh, in the middle of recording the episode. We saw the breaking news, uh, as reported by the Ottawa Senators account themselves, that Eugene Melnick tragically passed away at the age of 62 from an unverified uh, uh, illness that he had been suffering from uh, and battling for the past little while. Uh, we didn't really have time to think about uh, what we wanted to say while recording the show live, so we didn't think it'd be appropriate to do a live reaction. So we're just adding this little note ahead of time to express our condolences and well wishes to the uh, Ottawa Senators organization and Melnick's family themselves for what they must be going through during this trying time. Um, obviously, we uh, wish them nothing but the best. This is a rough time for anyone these days and uh yeah just, just an awful way to go 62 is way too young and you know regardless of people's feelings about him as an owner uh 62 is just way too young to go for a man with a family so uh our best wishes to him and his family uh during this trying time uh thanks guys this episode of the crease cast is brought to you by manscaped for 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping go to manscaped.com and use the code crease 20 that's cre ASE 20 at manscaped.com. This is the Creeps Cast. Well, folks, this is going to be a weird one because we are back in action to talk to you about the weirdest road trip I think either of us have really seen the Canucks go on in a while. Yeah. Um, a bit. It feels like meaningless games in March just by the way the team has played in some of these. And it also feels like playoff games in some of the games, <laughs> the ones they played. Um, As the which Blues one will they be this one. as they yeah. put this one away with a empty netter? Uh, we are recording in the final five minutes of the Canucks 4-1 now lost to the St. Louis Blues. A uh, bit of a devastating loss to wrap up a road trip where they go, I think, what, two, two, two one, one and one, one. which, yeah. yeah, I guess it's not bad, but I guess some of the, like the loss to um, the loss of the blues here looked really bad. Yeah, it stung a bit. Oh, like as they show the replay, literally. So Elias Pettersson had his shot and his stick just snapped. The, the stick just snapped <laughs> on him. This is and Travis that- Green's fault at the end of the day. This is trap. Is that a thing? Why? Why? So I saw you make that joke earlier. Uh, did I miss some sort of discourse on Travis Green again? Like no, being I just, rehashed. I just hear. I just. I don't hear because I don't talk to people. I isolate myself from people. But yeah, I. Uh, I see tweets all the time from people who are just like, you know, never forget if they had just fired Travis Green in the first place and never rehired him, the team would have been a playoff contender. And it's like. Are, are you watching the same players I'm watching? Like, yeah, it's still the same roster and they're getting tuned by Detroit. Like Travis Detroit Green couldn't have done lost. anything about them getting goalied by Detroit. Yeah. Detroit, who also lost 11 to one to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Sunday. Something ridiculous like that. Yeah. Like Travis Green isn't fixing that. Like at the end of the day, like you, you're, he's not going to come in Bruce and be like Boudreaux ain't fixing that. Like no one. Yeah, like Bruce Boudreaux is the coach they brought in to spice up the offense and let him run wild with the offensive tools he had. And guess what? With Boudreaux, they still didn't score. So it doesn't matter. Like, quit giving Travis Green shit. Like, he was given a terrible roster, and the players were, like, granted, they were checked out. They were like, this isn't working anymore. And they don't want to lose 
another season or waste another year uh, committing to his systems when they know it's not going anywhere. Like that's not really on him. He can like Paul Maurice obviously had overstayed his welcome in the Winnipeg organization. And when he quit, he was like, these guys need a new voice because they're clearly not getting what I'm trying to sell anymore. It like they're good players, but at the end of the day, eventually a new voice needs to come in. And that is correct to an extent, like in Winnipeg's case, they just replaced Paul Maurice with another Paul Maurice. They literally replaced Paul Maurice with yeah, one of the Maul players' Maurice. dad. Yeah, like doesn't it's really. Just Paul fix Maurice in a mustache, in a like a fake mustache. Yeah. Hello, Mr. my name is Snrub. is Snrub. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Far away. I like Wait. the way Snrub thinks. <laughs> so, so yeah, like the Boudreaux bump, like is totally real. They. I mean, a lot of that he is pride help. too. Like a lot of it comes down to like the players probably being like, "Hey, I don't want to be a laughing stock. We're we are better than this, and we probably don't want to have the connotations as players who get coaches fired because that's how you know. Look at Taylor Hall's reputation, or even like the Bill current Castle. Oilers, right? Like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, coach killers, right? Like you like players don't want that rep because that screws up your bargaining power when you get into UFA and stuff like that. Like they don't want to be known as guys who get coaches fired because they're uncoachable. Like they want to prove that they can win with whatever coach gets brought in. And so of course they're going to have a bump after the, you know, the longtime coach, not long time, but the long-term coach uh, gets canned after, you know, 20 games or whatever the hell it was. Yeah. So now to be fair, I do think Boudreaux has gotten more out of the group that he's gotten. Like, just like in general, I think his system has fit a little bit more with what the Canucks have than what Travis Green was going for at the time. Like there are definitely things that you look back on, like certain, like certain decisions when it comes to the power play and everything where you're like, why are they doing like, what, like, how is this helping exactly? Like, or the PK I should say as well. (laughs) Like there are a couple of decisions there where you just didn't understand how this was benefiting them or helping. And then you didn't see anything change. Uh, I do think with Boudreaux, like that's been noticeably different. Mm-hmm. That was definitely the biggest critique of Travis Green was that when it was so clearly not working, there was no initiative or desire to even try attempt change, which probably sealed his fate, right? Like yeah. a lot of the times when it was like the PK kept getting rolled out and it was like historically the worst PK in NHL history, there was no even remote like attempt for him to be like, uh, fuck it. It's not going to get, it can't get worse than historically bad. And the guys that I'm using aren't working. So I'm just going to throw Pod Coles in and Hoglander out. Fuck it. I have nothing yeah. to lose at this point. It was a little too little too late. And Boudreaux in this sense, like, I don't really see that much different. He's just, he's just trusting some of the players that should have been trusted in the first place to do more than what they're capable of by putting Elias Pettersson on the first PK shift. Like that was like, man, if, if Travis Green had done that, people would have been like, Oh my God. Like this, this is where my issue comes from. So circling all the way back to what, how this conversation started, I tweeted out the, this is somehow trap or this is all Travis green's fault because I had been seeing so many people bringing up how this is all Travis green's fault. They would be better. And at the end of the day, if Travis green had ever tried Elias Pettersson on the PK during that first 20 game run, and they were still bad, everyone would be criticizing him for even trying it. That's how yeah. that's how these things work, right? Like the coach that is in charge of the bad run is going to get the blame for everything that doesn't work and anything that does work, he's not going to get any credit at all. Bruce Boudreaux could have 
is doing stuff that has been done even while Travis Green is here, and they're like, oh, look at him go. Look what he's getting out of this team. Look what Demko's doing. And it's like... I mean, Demko's doing that the whole time. Yeah, but they're like, they're saying like, oh, Bruce Boudreaux's getting the best out of Demko or whatever. It's like, sure. He's also running the wheels off of him, and he's going to probably blow his hips again because he's playing every single game. He's not tonight. Yeah. Poor, Poor Yaroslav Halak. Once again, no goal support from the team in front of him. That has uh, that has been the nice part. That has been like the 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 nice the nicest part is we kind of like as bringing it into the road trip a little bit has been that I Halak has played twice rather than Demko being like here you go four games in a row have fun like no they yeah. actually they they played Halak once they gave him the Colorado, hardest game on the schedule they gave him the he, hardest game and he played lights cast. out hockey yeah which. Like, I I don't think it was spiteful. Like, hey, you embarrassed me on national television by getting mad about uh, did people think coming that's in why? Oh, yeah, for sure. Of course people did. Oh, people my like, God. Oh, no. it, was a, it was a spite thing where they were like, well, you talk back to the coach, so you're going to get the hardest start on this road trip. You would. Okay. So for anyone who thinks that that was actually a thing, let me tell you right now, if you're a coach, like, especially like, okay. Head coaches will often tell you that, especially if they've never been a if they've never been a goaltender before, uh, coaches will tell you often that they have no clue what goal, <laughs> how to coach a goalie. Like they'll yeah, they'll say bother. that they will openly admit that, like, yeah, they have no clue what they're doing when it comes to goaltending. Like they'll say a few things here and there. I think we've talked before about I don't know if we, you and I have talked about this before, but I remember at one point during. Um, the Travis Green era, law early in the Travis Green era, because this was back when Anders Nilsson was still on the team, and it was still like a Markstrom Nilsson tandem. Mm-hmm. I remember there was one particular practice where you saw Travis Green just screaming at Anders Nilsson for having a bad practice, and I remember people being like, "There, that's good coach, like that's good coaching, good accountability, blah blah blah, like holding your players accountable." And I'm just looking at it like. Uh, actually, no, that's a really bad thing to do to your goaltender. The, when your goaltender is lacking confidence, the last thing you should do is scream at them. Uh, <laughs> and like, and again, like the head coach isn't expected to be a, co- a goalie expert. That's fine. Like that is so not what you signed up for. If you were, yeah. you'd be a goalie coach. But as we've we said many times on this program, the one thing the Canucks have gotten right is to leave goalies to their goaltending department. And that's why they've had no problems with goaltending over the last eight years. Exactly. So I don't think Bruce Boudreaux, I don't think Bruce Boudreaux would do that because especially because that would set this weird precedent of specifically of Boudreaux essentially throwing his goaltenders to the wolves and mm-hmm. being like, and being a play, a, a coach that goalie, a goalie wouldn't want to play for, which even if that doesn't necessarily affect Thatcher Demko directly to have that kind of a thing happen, if you're Thatcher Demko and you see your coach out of revenge, essentially go out and start a goaltender in a tough game, just to hopefully in the hopes that you're going to somehow, for some reason, embarrass him in a game. Like would Demko like that? No, Demko doesn't want, doesn't want to see that from his coach either. So I don't think Boudreaux would do that. I don't think Boudreaux would do that to do out of spite. Just go start Yara Halak against a tough team. I think he very realistic, more realistically. And I think if you listen to some of his uh, press conferences, he, I think he even said he felt that Minnesota was actually out of those two teams, the deeper roster at the time, because I think because Colorado was dealing with a few injuries and a few guys missing that the Wild weren't. 
So yeah, I think so. He was looking at it in a case of I think we're better. I think our odds are better starting Halak in this game, in the game where he, where the team is fresh and giving Demko the night against the more with the more tired group because I mm-hmm. think we might have a better shot of winning that game because of it. And frankly, he was right because they ended up winning that first game against Colorado in a game where Yarholak 100% outplayed Darcy Kemper, and they yeah. won because of that. And then you get the second game where more or less the wild were kind of running the show, but mm-hmm. Demko was, was rested enough to keep up and was rested enough to kind of give the Canucks a chance, a fighting chance in that game and get them to OT. They got that point. They got that extra pity point out of it. Like that's good. Like that's what you need when you're trying to fight for a playoff spot. Especially when it's a, the back end of a back to back. Right. So like, obviously it's every point is essential, but it's even harder when it's like, Oh yeah, here's your back to back. It's like the most dominant force in the NHL and then one of the the sleeper elite teams of the NHL right after literally and, two two of the top 3 teams in the western conference like yeah like yeah. that that's a tough ask or a tough sell for any of the goaltenders so like i mean it's a bold bet for for Boudreaux to be like hey our season is riding on Halak coming in big for our first road game and it's against the Colorado Avalanche like yeah it's a big bet and it paid off Unfortunately, the bets since have, you know, I mean, it didn't work work today, which is strange because a lot of the, the, I don't know if you've noticed this. I don't know if you're a big 650 listener. Not as much these days. But whenever Thomas Trance has been on this season, he does this thing where he talks about the upcoming games in the schedule. And so I haven't done the math because I'd have to re-listen to all these hits, but I don't have the time. But he's had some incredible, incredible jinxes this year so like just in the past like i don't know basically since march started he started off with being like oh you know the the islanders they're a sleepy good team they're gonna come in and they're gonna completely stomp the canucks nope canucks win four three then the next thing was the maple leafs are just like a top team in the league there's no way that the canucks can compete with their speed and their four check is just so beatable with a team but against a team with speed nope canucks win six to four on and on down the list, all these teams where he's like, these guys are danger. You got to watch out for them. The Canucks would beat him. And then all the teams where he's like, you know, they're going to probably beat him. Like case in point tonight was, you know, the St. Louis blues, they're not that good right now. They're slumping really bad They're They've actually been playing some awful hockey lately. Canucks need to come out and have a good game here because then it's back at home where they face off against them again. So four points would be good for him. Nope. 4-1 loss and now they go back home to face him again like just some incredible jinxing efforts and i just wanted to shout out how funny they've been throughout this whole like past month that is that is that is really funny like yeah because um i mean yeah in this particular game like i again the blues are a beatable team like they're not as deep as they used to be they're fighting in the wild card spot the one thing they do have, the one thing they've improved on is goaltending. Now that they have Vili Huso as the starting goaltender rather than Jordan Minnington, they've improved in net. Yeah. And that's been kind of the difference here. And like, I think both of the games the Canucks have played against the Blues, where Vili Huso has been really, really good and the Canucks have had a hard time beating him. And then, like, tonight, like, the tonight the Blues got 
a lot of lucky bounces. Like there were definitely like the first goal was a bit of a weird one where it kind of mm-hmm. like like bounced uh, off his back or whatever. Yeah, it's weird. Be, like I will say, like Halak definitely got caught cheating off his post a little bit. Like it was definitely a case of he was not flush on that to the net and to the post, and it gave and it gave that just that little bit of room for the puck to kind of hop on like hit him in the shoulder and roll in like i would i would ask your opinion because this was my un un goaltender trained eye it looked to me like halak was swimming in his crease through much of tonight's affair yes i was noticing that as well like there were multiple there were a lot of plays he was slow to react on a few and like what have i what have i said so many times this season like if you give halak the first 10 minutes and he does okay you're in for a decent (laughs) game from him like you want to, if he can get through without in a scoreless first 10, 15 minutes, you're going to be fine. He, that first goal goes in at what, like 13 with 13 minutes left. So about like seven minutes into the game, mm. a little, a little early. And then, yeah, for the rest of the game, he kind of looked like he was fighting the puck a little bit. Like that third, that, that the backbreaker goal was the one in the third period that came like 48 seconds in where yeah, like right away. Yeah. And it kind of killed the kind of killed the uh the comeback efforts, right? Because then you're in such a deep hole at that point. Yeah. As a suddenly like one goal that would put you behind only by one literally make it a one goal game. Like now you're now you're down by three. Now it's yeah. a now it's a it's a deep hole. And yeah, like that for that goal, it was a weird one for sure, where like he guts a piece of it. He makes the he tracks it initially, but then it kind of takes this weird hop off his stick and now he's off his post and he kind of just doesn't have the he doesn't have the the power of that back leg to push back towards the net in time. And it just mm-hmm. kind of, he kind of just has to reach out with the pad and hope, and it just doesn't work for him. That was kind of the thing that, yeah, I was noticing a lot of plays where he was, there was a wide open net on chances. Like if the blues were a little bit more like on top of it, they might've like, that might've turned into a goal. Mm-hmm. And the Canucks were like the defense themselves, like they were, they didn't look particularly good. Like there were quite a few plays in that game where I was looking at, like the like that goal in itself was a goal that I think you could have almost prevented. Had, I think it was Yuho Lamico kind of pushes Marco Scandella like right into yeah. the crease. He like and, he pushed him into uh, the way where he knocked the the puck past yeah. him and was just like, ah, oh, that's just yeah, that's just now luck. yeah. Now it might have gone, yeah, it might have gone in anyway. It probably would have gone in anyway. But it was one of those things where he kind of sealed the fate a little bit. And you're wondering, like, oh, okay, well, why did you push him cl- into the net and give him that positioning? Like, that's kind of a weird way to def- – that's kind of the wrong way to be looking at defending, especially if, say, it doesn't bounce off his back and suddenly it's in the rebound. Now now you've just put him in Halak's way to get in to get back towards, say, the front of the slaughter – into the slaughter something because there's a big mm-hmm. – there's a big blue sitting there. <laughs> so you you got you, – you, yeah, there are just some some few a few weird decisions made. Like – I mean, Will Lockwood had a tough had a, like that wasn't his best check on that first one, but a, he's a rookie. Like, I'm not going to give Will Lockwood a hard time. Yeah, like, yeah, he gets a pass. He's going to get a pass on that. Like, he, he's he's doing he's doing his thing. I think it was I think Daniel Wagner pointed out he's like uh, Will Lockwood doesn't have good self preservation skills. Like, where he'll just throw himself into the weirdest possible play. That is in itself a young guy thing to do, where you're just like nothing it's, can hurt me, and I'm it's invincible. also. It's also been his MO like since like he was drafted. Like, wasn't he wasn't he famously like one of the like the first people to, like get injured in a NCAA outdoor game because he threw a check that blew out his shoulder? Like, oh my god. He, his whole thing has been like he's just been like a bowling ball with no regard for like his health. But like the problem is that works when you're like a junior and everyone is like slightly bigger or or smaller than you. 
but it doesn't really can't like translate when suddenly the guys you're body checking are like six foot six 240 pound colton perico like it's a bit harder to play the bowling ball style so you have to use your speed and get yourself out of dangerous positions but like yeah. a few of the times i noticed like he was skating like full like full speed into the corners with his head down to go chase a puck battle while like two blues players around him i was like he's or oh, no 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 no, no yeah and his head just to demolish tonight the way he's skating and like props to him for like you know showing his wheels off like he had some decent like plays in the first period where he looked like he was like displaying his speed uh being aggressive on the forecheck and getting the puck towards the net with uh patan and i think chase on whoever it was on his line like that was fine but yeah some of those some of those moments where he's skating himself into danger you're like this kid like, oh, destroyed you're like oh, oh 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 buddy no 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 like you're like you're bracing because you see it coming yeah I mean, I, thank thank god nothing's nothing it hasn't affected him yet mm-hmm. um overall like i i mean this is a question for you specifically just because you've seen will lockwood play a lot more than 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 say i have for obviously like do you like from what you've seen from him early like how much how much how different is him at as he playing at the nhl level versus the ahl and do you see him potentially like sticking for the rest of the year in vancouver uh I honestly feel like he's slowed down in the NHL level, but I don't know if he's actually slowed down or if just the game is a lot faster at the NHL level that he doesn't look noticeably as fast because the speed differences in the AHL level are just so much bigger than the speed differences at the NHL level that he just kind of fits in. Like same thing with Justin Bailey. Like he looks like the fastest man on the planet when he is skating in the HL level because he can generate momentum and speed from the defensive zone like nobody's business. But the NHL level, you don't have that space, so you just kind of look like another skater. You don't really stick out that much. Uh, guys don't afford you the opportunity to create space and make room for yourself. And so I feel like he's actually got more to show. Like I feel like he actually does use his speed quite well to you know move up the rush and carry the puck himself. But I feel like he's he overthinks like he thinks more of like, okay, what's the what's the safe line for me here? Like to pass pass off to Nick Patan to take the shot or to cut towards the slot and just take a a shot attempt or whatever. I'm not going to really do my game, which would be bowling ball halfway down the ice on my own, try and cut towards the net, create a rebound chance for my line mates and then hopefully I don't blow to shoulder or get knocked to the ice. That would be like the AHL plan. NHL, he's clearly just like, all right, I don't want to get benched. I don't want to get benched by the coach. He's a new guy. It's not Travis Green, so I need to make a good impression. Yeah. I I think, yeah, he's still doing fine. It's like, whatever. He's clearly flat faster than Brad Richardson, who looks very not fast and not he, like he he's getting his ice. chances he's surprised he i mean he's getting his chances like i'll give brad Richards sure. this. i've noticed him i've noticed him getting scoring opportunities which is more than i expected from him coming into it yeah especially considering like you're seeing guy especially now when you're seeing guys like say like yuho lamico who definitely looks a little bit more human now that yes. tyler mott's not playing with him um like it's 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 it is important that you're seeing brad richardson go out there and actually kind of make a little bit of an impact here and there it just he just doesn't have maybe the finish he doesn't have the finish he did but like yeah it's fun it's gonna be interesting when he gets his first game in vancouver if they maybe like if they start him they start brad richardson just to like give him the crowd uh 
get behind him. <laughs> do they give him so like you know how they have like the video packages for ex players when they return? Do they give him a video package anyway so, for saying welcome back? I I think you I I don't know if they'd give him maybe like a welcome back as as much as they do like the player like player to watch or whatever you're like they, you know how they do that like the broadcast in game in house right at like Rogers mm-hmm. Arena where it's like like tonight's Panago player spotlight or whatever and it'll be like and then they'll just show and they'll use that as an excuse to show a bunch of clips from him when he was a Canuck the last time around yeah and be like hey remember him with Radam Verbata like remember <laughs> him guys we. <laughs> remember like and you'll see like some shot of him like chatting with then coach john tortorella like oh they're yeah like, like hey remember this year or like talking to like luongo in between <laughs> like whistles or lack or something like yeah god did he play in the did he play in the heritage classic he must have right richardson Ooh, yeah let's see I, let's see again uh, I, i'm trying to remember heritage I'm sure- game lineup Go, again, I'm forgetting what year he joined the team. What jo- what year he joined the team? I uh, feel like his last year was 2014-15. Oh yeah, Brad Richardson. He took a penalty in the final period. <laughs> nice, uh, uh, nice. So he played in the he played in the Heritage Classic. You know that? Okay, this is a this is in a way this is a story for another show. But actually, I mean, this is kind of relevant because I mean, this is what the last the last time the Canucks the Canucks played in the Heritage Classic. What it was April third or April second? Uh, sure. 2014 something like that so like by the time we record next it'll probably be right around that time uh <laughs> past that time or something like that but like that team the team that showed up for that game that that awful awful heritage classic game <laughs> yeah, uh, was a weird group like zach dalphy uh rafael diaz like that yeah just that's a, who's a that's who. a horrible like that's like the Brian shocking Stanton. thing is, so this is this is March 2014. So this is like a team that was like meant to like not be a failure. They were and supposed to. That's this a was supposed to be ugly the roster. Reset. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's no. not a good roster. But looking at Ottawa's roster is also pretty embarrassing. But apparently Robin Leonard was uh, their goaltender at the time. With that's Craig right. Anderson. It was Craig Anderson and Robin Leonard. That's yeah. right. Because they were that's... still. Well, at one point, do you remember they had. They had not only did they have those two, they also had Ben Bishop just hanging out. Like they had all three of yeah, them. Yeah, they had like all these elite goaltenders just hanging out. They and then they got the rid of them all. Yeah, exactly. Like they had a decent like, and they're kind of like that now too. Where they well, not maybe like we don't know what they could be yet, but like the Senators have like what Philip Gustafson. They have uh, Anton Forsberg. They have like mm-hmm. they have a decent looking group of goaltenders. They have a and bunch they of lost blue... Joey Decord, but yeah, yeah, they have a bunch of blue chippers, right? Like. Maybe Anton Forsberg becomes something, but yeah. they're like banking on it, which is yeah. very Ottawa Senators of them to be banking their hopes and dreams on, on Matt Murray uh, coming back to life and uh, Anton Forsberg like just being a stud at almost thirty years old. <laughs> like, doesn't really make any sense. Their whole their whole goaltender like pipeline it's just so like baffling and poorly thought out. But yeah. that's I mean that's what you get for a team that uh, trades a third round pick for Travis Hamannick. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Now I'm laughing at a picture that I'm seeing of like, from like, just again, just to show how much time has passed where it's, I'll, you know what? I'll even pull it up on the broadcast for anyone who's watching on video. Um, so what I'm currently looking at right now uh, is a picture of a face-off between uh, Jason Spezza 
of the senators at the time still and brad richardson and then if you look in the back very carefully you can see jason garrison standing on the blue line like just a a magical photo of like a different of a just a completely different era era. like yeah like that era's just like that weird hodgepodge era right between like the start of the benning era and the end of the gillis era such a like god you don't want to think about it kind of group it's just such clearly like a it's an era where it's like the gm clearly had no other avenue to go down since the ownership group didn't want to rebuild and he was like well this is all i can do i've got nothing to work with and the only option is to sell off everything so we can start fresh, but now, I'm not on. allowed to. Jack Dalfi was going to be something. You just wait. <laughs> so you, you so just was, uh, wait. So was uh, Healthy Scratch from that game, Jordan Schrader. Oh my God, Jordan Schrader. <laughs> like what a, what a, what a, God, man, he was supposed to be something too. He ended up on the Minnesota Wild. Speaking sure of did. the Minnesota Wild, the, the, it's, a t- the, it's the all coming back. Trip. Yeah, the rest of the road trip. I don't know. I mean, yeah. speaking of other teams, Jason Spezza played for the Dallas Stars, I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah, this is all like, coming back together, actually, because yes. the the Stars game was probably the most important. Like, we probably shouldn't even bother talking about the other games because the most important one here was the fact that they beat Dallas Stars in regulation. Yes. Uh, obviously, Shocking. for those that don't know, Dallas is like, I don't know how this happened because I, I swear to God, didn't Dallas start the season with playing like the most games of any team or something like that? Something like that. Like they started off with a really heft with a, I think a pretty hefty schedule out of the gate. They had a lot of goaltenders as well. Like they had a lot of goalies coming through that. They were still kind of trying to decide who was going to yeah, be the guy. Cause Jake they weren't Ottinger. sure. They weren't sure if Ben Bishop was going to come back and be healthy or yes. whatever. So they signed Holtby, Kudobin, oh. Head Ottinger, and Bishop all on the roster at one time, and they weren't sure who was going to be who. Hey, hey, if that's your problem, that's a better problem. We'll talk about. I think we're going to talk about the Oilers on this show later. It's a better <laughs> problem to have too many goaltenders than to have no, none at all. Literally none. Like, yeah, yeah. So the Dallas, uh, for those that don't know, they have like the least games played in the entire Pacific Division or the Western Conference, I should say. I think oh, it's wow, Western, yeah. Con- or not Western. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. The they're, whole West oh, sorry, tied, with tied with Minnesota. Minnesota. So and the situation is they are they're chasing the Vegas Golden Knights for the second wild card spot. They've got 75 points in 64 games. They have like a 586 win percentage, which if we're going by win percentage, they would actually be above Vegas already for wild card spot. Everyone has knows Vegas is in free fall. They they're on a two game win streak right now, but that was after going like two six or two eight or something like just awful. And one and, of those was against Chicago. That barely counts. Yeah, those ones that really don't count. Uh, any no. game against Chicago doesn't count. But no. the Canucks are trying to chase Dallas. They're not chasing Vegas. They are chasing Dallas because Dallas is the ones with all the games in hand. So you need to try and keep above their points percentage paced in order to even have a chance at playoffs at this point. And that's why tonight's loss to the St. Louis Blues probably puts a an extra nail in the coffin to their season. Definitely uh, a damper. Because they are two points behind Dallas with having played four more games than them. Yeah. Which, I mean, you're doing a lot of scoreboard finger crossing and praying that they somehow drop their next four straight, which is a big ask because they are getting some 
unreal performances out of their forward group right yeah. now. Jason Robertson, almost a 40 goal scorer. Rupe oh, Hintz yeah. is just like a, almost a 60 point player or a 50 point player, whatever he is. Like they are doing very well in spite of the fact that Tyler Sagan and J- Jamie Benn suck shit. Yeah. What a, what a, like, I don't know if that, that was such a, that another, talk about it. You want to talk about another weird era, like uh, the Sagan Ben era where they were like actually kind of decent and they did okay, but they could just never pull the team together. Now, yeah. now the stars are being led by a completely different group uh, that, uh, that feels like has almost passed them by a little bit. Um, they're, they're the stars organization kind of lucked in to the, the fact that they're basically getting out of Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz and Miro Heiskanen out of what they were paying big bucks to Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan to and John do. Klingberg and John well. Klingberg. You want to add a defenseman in. Yeah. Like that's, that has been the, that has been like the stars of like, and Hey, that might just be on the fact that they have a good scouting group. Like that's like yeah. their scouting team might be really good at what they do, especially considering the stars are often, even when they're like, when they miss the playoffs, they're usually a group that ends up with a very, with very low, high lottery odds. There was the one or like, sorry, very small lottery odds. I should say the one year that they luck. And then one year they happened to luck into, I think third overall. And that's how they got high skin in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would have been, that would have been the Pedersen draft. Um, yeah. I think and- in 2017, it was like their highest they drafted, but usually they're in like the low range because they're, they're, yeah. They're in that mediocre area where they're not bad enough to be in the top 10, but not good enough to crack the actual playoff. Odds. Yeah. And like I said, I think even on that draft, like the, I don't think they would have even drafted top 10 had they not won that draft, that lottery. I think they would have Correct. still drafted like 12th, 13th or something. They, yeah. They jumped up like nine or 13 spots something crazy like that something ridiculous you know something that would never happen to the vancouver canucks um and thank you edmonton uh thanks (laughs) a lot thanks a lot guys Um, a lot assholes yeah screw you like again the straight up like the nhl draft lottery equivalent of farting in the elevator and get getting out (laughs) like thanks edmonton really um but like yeah dallas has been like dallas is a team that i often would say like i can never figure out fully like one year they're making the Stanley Cup finals and then the next year like like last year they missed the playoffs entirely. Part of that was due to they had that awful covid outbreak that the Canucks yeah. had dealt with where it was just like, "Oh, you kind of, like there was no like it was yeah, like they that kind of shot their season in the foot." Mm-hmm. And then this year they've been kind of a little bit more kind of closer to what they're resembling, but even then it's like they're getting some really great performances out of those guys, uh the younger group, they're getting some Joe Pavelski Joe has Pavelski. somehow got is like aged a, back 10 years like good a for him 30 goal score somehow at 37 yeah. years old like like i said like they they basically they spent like early on they spent a ton of money on ben and sagan to be like these carrying culture carrier monsters for them and they just like after the playoff run they just hit a wall like sagan like missed all of last year basically because of injury and yep. then he's come back and he's been what, what like where is he at? He, I have to scroll down to find him. He is oh he's only played three games this year. Oh my Jeez. god. Wow, he's still injured. Jesus, bad bad it year. Because like uh, but yeah, like Ben Ben definitely played and he had a fact. I think he factored into the scoring of that game against uh of the yeah, he had the assist on the Jacob Peterson goal. Jacob Peterson, guy who I've never heard of who apparently has eleven <laughs> goals. I uh, sure oh, sorry. why not? I'm reading last year's stats. I'm an idiot. I it's twenty twenty two, not twenty twenty one. Tyler Sagan okay. has played 63 games last year, which I was correct. He only played three games because he was injured the whole time. Right. He's played 63 this year. He's top five in their team scoring, but he's not the same player. 
that he was. Yeah. was. Same with Jamie Benn. He's fallen off a cliff. Yeah. Yeah, it, this team is being led by a younger group. And yeah, like there's a, again, Jacob Peterson, guy who had never heard of 11 goals. Like, certainly okay, sure. Sure, certainly a player, uh, uh, certainly a player who can hit double digits in goals, <laughs> a real Yuho Lamico. Like, uh, and, but like overall, the Canucks won that game not only because their big boys stepped up, like Elias Pettersson. Holy cow, what a game. Like the shot. Okay. Again, you know, when you become a media person, you often, you, you, you lose a little bit of that, like intensity and like the fun aspect of like getting excited about big plays or something like that, especially like when the Canucks do it themselves, <laughs> like you definitely lose a little bit of that, but that second goal, the, the game winning goal that Pedersen scored where he just Ooh. breaks, he breaks down the, the wing and just rifles that shot but off the crossbar off the post and in i was just yeah. like i jumped out of my chair like whoa like holy cow how did he do that like it was, it was like a pretty magic filthy trick. goal I, yeah. I i had the tv on mute because murphy was napping and i think i woke him up because i was like holy shit what a fucking shot yeah it like, was so clean like that it's one of those rare straight dead on goals that i look at i'm like oh jake ottinger had no chance like there's yeah, nothing he could have he did everything he could. He lined up perfectly. He had his angle down. Elias Pettersson's just Elias Pettersson. Like yeah. there's nothing he could do. And that was, and that's like the glimpses of like, God, this is the, like, this is what you, you was missing early on in the year for PD. And uh, especially, so it's nice to see him getting those shots and like his wrist back at like full a hundred percent, or at least it mm -hmm. looked like it on that shot. Like Bo Horvat's been having a good run. JT Miller, I think added an empty netter. Like, yeah, like the, and overall there was the one like scramble in the third period where Thatcher Demko just stood on his head, lost his stick multiple times yeah, and somehow just still didn't get scored on once. Like, you're just like, oh, this is magic. Like you're seeing some magic unfold here. And then unfortunately they wrap, they follow that game up with this absolute snoozer against the blues where yeah, it's like unwatchable hockey, which is, yeah, which is ironic because usually the games against the stars I find are very unwatchable hockey. Mm. Like for mm -hmm. some reason, whenever the Canucks and the stars line up, it's a weird game this year in particular, it's been the opposite. Like they've been interesting games to watch the Canucks. I was at the first game against the stars where they rifled off like three power play goals in the, in the Travis green era. Like, or like it was something like, it, I think it was like Pedersen's first goal of the year or something like his second or something like, yeah because he had been struggling so hard and then he got that one shot away you just see and like i could see it right from the angle that it was it went in and i was like one of the first people up because i'm like hey he did it like he finally <laughs> scored good for him like he broke he yeah. broke his uh streak of losing he's, he's well, done it speaking of streaking of losing we need to talk about a couple things about this road trip and just kind of the canucks in general uh as tweeted by jeff patterson at patterson jeff uh, from the uh, rink-wide program and Dusk Harrison Price. Uh, guess who hasn't scored a goal in 16 games? Guess who hasn't scored a goal in 16 games? Um, uh, forward or defenseman? Forward. Forward. Is that Connor Garland? You're goddamn right. There uh, we go. Tanner Pearson, uh, zero goals in seven. Pod Colson, zero goals in 12. Which is like, whatever, he's a kid. Again, again, the rookies always get a pass. And even Tanner Pearson, to a degree, like I've seen him getting opportunities and just like the puck just takes a weird bounce. Like today, I think he, he had one that almost went in. Like straight up would have gone in 99 out of 100. 
Tanner Pearson has consistently been like one of the team's best forwards on a night to night basis. And I think Mm. he's led their team in shots on goal, like probably every single game on this road trip. And even a few games before, like he is always like four or more shots on goal every game. Like the guy is like, we talked about this in our last episode. Like he's actually like outplaying his current contract that he's signed to a contract that was, you know, poorly maybe shouldn't have been signed given where the Canucks were in their current window, but he's outperformed at, which cannot be said about a lot of forwards that have been signed to the Vancouver Canucks over the past couple of years. So good for him. He seems like a delightful guy. And yeah. so I'm very, I'm very happy to see that he's doing well, obviously not on the score sheet lately, but he's been playing really well, all things considered. Support for the crease cast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you, CreaseCast listeners. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CREASE20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 8 million balls. I am somebody who is going to school right now for media and broadcast training, and that includes looking your best, particularly up here in the face and the face and shoulder area. But at the end of the day, personal hygiene goes far beyond just that, and Manscaped is really going to help with that. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0 comes with not only the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. It also comes with this lovely Weed Whacker Ear, Hair, and Nose Trimmer, uh, which is great for things like being on camera. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which can help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code CREASE20. That's C-R-E-A-S-E 20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right. The one piece of Canucks news that we probably needed to address and get into is actually not game related, which is surprising because you don't really have news really following after the trade deadline date because usually no, nothing really important happens. But uh, this one kind of did sort of for negative reasons because this wouldn't be news if you were say like the Los Angeles Kings or you know the Toronto Maple Leafs or you know Detroit Red Wings some of these teams with really deep prospect pools um the Vancouver Canucks uh former 2020 uh sixth rounder Aiden McDonough uh told the team after a series of negotiations that he would be returning to Northeastern for his fourth year uh, with the uh, university, which for those that are in the know, that me basically means at the end of next season, his final year in the NCAA, he has like a very finite window in which he can negotiate with the Vancouver Canucks to sign an ELC, or he can wait until August 13th, at which point his signing rights will lapse and he is free to sign with whomever expresses interest or whoever he's most interested in signing with. Uh, this happens all the time. You see it with players like Adam Fox. A lot of uh, Harvard players are prone to doing this. Yes. Um, Jimmy VC, Adam Jimmy Fox. Jimmy VC, Adam Fox, two major ones. Like Adam Fox was the big one. Calgary knew he wasn't coming back, so they traded him in a giant package for Elias Hint- Lindholm from the Carolina Hurricanes. Which the worked Hurricanes, out for them. 
flipped him for I can't remember who I think Brady Shea or something for the I Rangers, think so. something I like think that. You're, yeah, I think you're right. Like it was something like yeah. that. So in, in realistically, like the obviously Brady Shea and Elias Lindholm aren't a Norris caliber defenseman, but they got both teams got pretty good value for what they gave up at the time. Uh, this is bad news really for the Canucks because uh, as of, I think this year, Aiden McDonough was as high as third on most people's prospect uh, rankings. Uh, so losing a player, I mean, they haven't lost him yet. They still have a chance to resign him, but usually when guys opt to go back for the fourth year, it's like a, it's like a ticking clock at that point. It's just kind of like, this is most likely going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, which is which is unfortunate because, as most fans know, Aiden McDonough is a childhood friend of Jack Rathbone, who is currently plying his trade with the Abbotsford Canucks. A lot of people hope that these two guys would play together, maybe on Abbotsford or in the NHL someday. Like, it would just been like a cute little story. These two kids come up from Boston, Massachusetts, play together as kids, come up through the, the NCAA and then end up on a hockey team together playing hockey and Sadly, it doesn't look like it's going to be happening. They're going to be doing it as enemies or something, but that's okay. Um, so yeah, rip, rip, the big rip here, the big uh, upsetting thing here is for fan of the program, frequent guest, Chris Faber, who has spent the better part of the last three and a half seasons following Aiden McDonough wherever he went and documenting. That makes it sound like he's just like, he's just <laughs> he's walking like behind stalker. him the whole yeah. time. He's just like, literally. He's just- and McDonough gets his coffee with him. two sugars and yeah. one cream before heading back to the rink. Like, yeah, like he's searching. like, I'm an investigative reporter. Like, no, searching through his garbage. It's much. Uh, it's 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 much more normal than that. Let's let's be clear. Yeah. So, poor Faber. Poor one out for Faber because obviously he puts in a lot of work to develop uh, Canucks prospects uh, through building up their cred, uh, building them up as personalities for the fan base. He did that with uh, Niels Hoglander. He'll do that with guys that aren't even drafted by the team. Like he puts in a lot of work to hype up the fan base uh, that wants something to look forward to down the road. And this is another one that got away. Uh, So yeah, Faber, our hearts go out to you, buddy. Yes. But like, let's be clear here. It's not entirely done, right? Like they have a year to sign him, obviously. Yes. It's not, it's not, it's not all doom and gloom. There's yeah, it's not the end of the world. Let's be very clear. It's not, he's not an absolute goner or anything. I did see some people being like, oh, this is, this was hilarious. Uh, I don't know about you, but this was hilarious to see. I saw some people like actually going and tweeting like, well, you know, Jim Benning got all his, his (laughs) college guys to sign. And it's like, oh, sure. You're, you know what? You're so right. He did. Tell me again. How many are still here? Hmm. How many are still around? The hey, answer how is how many that were not a draft pick besides like high profile draft picks like Thatcher Demko and Brock Besser yeah. are still here. The answer is not many. Like Troy Stetcher's gone. Uh, uh, Adam God, Goddard, Adam Goddard is, gone is gone. Who is nothing. also from Northeastern. Like, I mean, I mean, Matthew Highmore's done some things like he's done but- things. Um, He's done things, but like you don't trade a, a Hobie Baker winner for when his value as it is at, at was at absolute its lowest. lowest for a fourth liner plug and play forward that is yep. probably going to be gone at the end of this year. Right. It's like, outside of Rathbone, like there's not much left there, right? So it's like, yeah. okay. Like, I don't really see, like, what you're talking about when he comes to, like, oh, like, uh, like, Jim Benning built the system through great college signings and, like, great college prospects. Like, clearly there's not many left here. 
uh, and he's traded a lot of them away or not re-signed them. Um, but like, okay, I don't, I'm not too worried with McDonough. I am not too worried that about him signing next season. I honestly think that this is fine. And like, I, you know, you heard him on Donnie and Dolly. I think like there was the tweet that Rick Dollywell tweeted out today or, uh, the, yeah, this morning, uh, basically at, or ironically at 10 40 AM, um, he, uh, McDonough on, if the plan was, is still to sign in Vancouver, he McDonough said, yes, it is. Canucks new management have handled this situation so well. I want to be a Canuck and I love Vancouver. My best friend, Jack Rathbone is in the organization. I love the city. It is where I want to be. It is a great spot for me. Now, like, I'll say this, right? Like, Tease. like, I know a lot of people are like, oh, but like, he might still not. He might decide he doesn't want to and leave. And it's like, sure, he might. But yeah. like, even in <laughs> no the shit. cases, but even in the cases with like, if you look at the case like Jimmy VC, for example, right? Like Jimmy VC being the, I think like one of the first, like, I don't want to say high profile because he ne wasn't necessarily like, super high profile in terms he of he didn't like end up being that good that, in that the grand good. scheme of things yeah but like he was one of the first guys i think under that the way that under that college system that the that the nhl and the ncaa have where like who well, chose not to sign with his there's with more his like team. like kevin hayes for example oh, played out all four years and then signed or maybe his rights were traded but i'm pretty sure he was one of those guys that played all four years before moving on to wherever the fuck it was philly i think it would have, would have been the rangers i think again um, um, but like, it's very weird. rare weird. A lot of these guys go to the Rangers. Very interesting. <laughs> um, and it's one of those cases where it's like, I remember with, with Jimmy VC in particular, when he was a predator predators prospect that he had made it like a, he had made it like super clear right out of the gate that he did not want to sign to Nashville. Like for yeah. whatever reason, like, like people knew that was the case of why of him. Then like you knew that a year through and the whole thing was maybe is hoping that Nashville was going to change his mind essentially about coming to uh to Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. Um, but people already knew. Same thing with Adam Fox. You knew that he was coming. We talked about it with Adam Fox said like they the flames traded him early on because they knew he wasn't gonna sign with them no matter what they did, so they didn't want to waste his trade value, so they moved him. Um, I with McDonough it's clearly a little different here. Like he doesn't have to come out and do an interview and say, Oh, I love Vancouver and I want to be here forever. Like he clearly mm -hmm. doesn't have to do that. He could very, he could just <laughs> as easily not do the interview, not even be made available for it. it just that's that. Right. I don't think, I don't think they'd go through this kind of a ringer, just like this kind of like a, a media thing just to be like, ah, just kidding. We hate, we hate the Canucks and we're going to go elsewhere. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, I don't, I don't buy, I don't think that's a, a real case here. Maybe he felt so bad for stringing Chris Faber along this whole time that he felt obligated to do Donnie and Dolly and try to like, the fan base. Right. He, he was actually not even talking to the fan base. Yeah. He's just talking to Chris. He did Chris Chris a favor by not going on his show and going on somebody else's. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that would be that would also that'd be really mean. Like, yeah, <laughs> that would be pretty mean. But like, uh, like uh, it's not like it's like almost like sleep. It's like a it's like a rom com where it's just like I love you, but I can't tell you. Like, <laughs> yeah, but like, like and you just hear and you just hear that and I need you more than ever. Like, you hear that <laughs> with the rain pouring. Like, no, I think this is just a case of I think. I think he sees staying i think him and his camp just see staying in college playing for what is a very good college hockey program as worth his while and yeah, which is something fair. worth staying 
And I, again, I think the Canucks, again, I don't think he comes out and says half the stuff he has, he could, he had in that interview just to turn around and go, no, I actually don't like anything about this organization and want to leave. I, I don't think he, that does him any favors. So I think he'd be, I think, I think you should, can take him at his word on this in terms of that kind of a thing. Hey, but Hey, you know, things might change. Things could change in that in 12 months in or, how, or however long it is before the Canucks end up getting a chance to sign him again. Mm-hmm. But I, as far as this is concerned, I personally, I'm not too worried. I don't know how you're feeling though. Yeah, it's, it's, they got bigger problems because Aiden McDonough at the end of the day, like might peak at like, as like a Reed Boucher of the, of the AHL, there's no guarantee he's going to be some NHL level or quality player, but all this is representative of is why the Canucks needed more lottery picks like an Aiden McDonough to maybe be more than just a Reed Boucher, but to maybe actually be credible NHL depth. Uh, that's why we critiqued and harped for so long about why they needed more draft picks, more draft capital, more young prospects. Uh, so if they lose Aiden McDonough, it's just a condemnation of what we've been complaining about over the last eight seasons. Uh, it isn't this organization's fault or this current regime's fault if he does choose to move on. It's just uh, another sad condemnation of what preceded uh, the Rutherford Alvin era. Um, otherwise, uh, that's it for the Canucks news. What we did want to talk about quickly, though, or you did, was the Edmonton Oilers and their yeah. very, very good, very good quality goaltending situation. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you... So uh, did you watch the Saturday game between the Oilers and the Flames? It was interesting. I, I cannot remember what I was doing, but I remember looking at my phone and it was, I don't know, it was like 3 nothing or something, and I was or 3-1, and I was like, oh... All right, Calgary's really putting a beating on the Oilers right now. That's pretty funny. And then I put my phone away to do like dog stuff or whatever. And I came back and it was like nine to four or nine to five or something. I was like, what the hell did I just miss? Yeah, an absolute thumping. Now, oh my God. So, like, again, the Canucks, the Canucks, we, we, we've harped on the Canucks this year plenty. We've talked yeah, about our, our, our problems with them. Mm-hmm. There are some things that, like, as much as the Canucks drive me crazy, you watch a team like the Edmonton Oilers and you're just like, oh, it could be a lot worse. <laughs> like, you, like specifically, like, so obviously people are getting on the goaltending and they should, including <laughs> myself, so. because I don't know how on earth you go in. Like, okay, I do know why. I do know why Ken Holland is doing this because he doesn't know what he's doing when it comes yes. to goaltenders. And like he like uh, you know the Spider Man meme like the Peter Parker meme where he like with Tobey Maguire where he like he's looking through his glasses but those glasses don't work so he pulls them away and then he uh-huh. sees clearly again because he got bit by the spider. Yeah. It's like when he has his when he's uh, operating without with the glasses <laughs> on without the glasses on he sees Mike Smith and Nico Koskin but then when he puts those glasses on for some reason he thinks he's seeing. Like, like Chris Hasek Osgood, Chris Osgood and Dominic Hasek. Yeah. Like he's seeing like the red, the two <laughs> old ass Red Wings goalies that got him a Stanley cup that one time. Um, like, Oh my God. Like Nico Koskinen let in five goals on 12 shots in that game. He finished with a 583 and got <laughs> like bum, the bum, Oilers bum, were bum. out shooting them at that point. The yeah. Oilers had it went the Oilers outshot the flames in the first period of that game, 18 to nine and Miko Koskinen allowed 
three goals on nine shots and then let in two more in the in the second in the second period like again Jacob Markstrom didn't have a very good game either but like he also was had run support so it didn't matter all that much and then you see things like the Oiler like the Oilers like god what was it was it the third goal where I just like I've never been like I've I've never, I don't think I've ever laughed harder at like up at like a team at a team's attempt to keep the puck out of the net because I think it's like Evan Bouchard and maybe like Darnell Nurse in front of the net. Like first shot, like Miko Koskinen kicks it right out into the slot as like a yeah. absolute just like a serves it up on a platter for the defense for anybody, including his own defense who's right there. And then for some reason, either he trips or he's trying to block a shot. I don't know what he was trying to do. He forgets what he's do. doing. Evan he forgets Bouchard he's got goalie skates on. Slide. No, this is Evan Bouchard now. He just oh, slides wow. like the slow as molasses in front of the net. Like he's like, we like, he's like almost like he's sliding down a hill on like a snow day and the puck's just sitting there. They have no clue it's there. And of course, I, Flame just kind of goes, oh, uh, okay, and just whacks it in. Like, he doesn't have to do anything because both defense have no clue what's going on. They don't see the puck. And I'm just like, how are you this bad? How are you this bad at goaltending and defense? And I am just stunned at, like, how they how badly they've bungled this. Like, how badly they've bungled everything to do with that team. Like, they're not making the playoffs. I'm sorry. They're not going to. There's no way. You're betting they fall completely out? Absolutely. Like, I, again, I think, I like, look, the Knights aren't doing much better these days either. Mm -hmm. But I trust the Knights at least a shred more based on history than I do the damn Edmonton Oilers. No, the Oilers are toast. There's (laughs) no way. They're gonna get in with that defense, with that goaltending and that blue line. I again, I don't know why on earth they didn't think Yaro Halak would be an upgrade, at least like a slight upgrade on well, one of those two. They they just don't have the cap space, or they didn't think like we need we need more money tied up in goaltenders till next year. Like I I understand they he made his bed with Mike Smith, and he's like I can't now bring in Yaro Halak's one and a half million dollar bonus to my cap structure. Like I I understand, but I. <laughs> I really don't understand how you go through the trade deadline and think we need, we need forward and defensive depth for our playoff run and not a goaltender. Like what the hell are you guys doing? They've had Mike Smith now already two years before this, this is year three and they know exactly what they're getting out of him. Yeah, sure. He had a nine twenty three or some crap last year. But come on, he's got an 896 now. Like, he's an old man. Like, what are you going to do? Like, you're screwed. I, I also love the entire, like, asterisk that they, the Oilers did have a chance to draft, like, a really highly touted goalie in the first round, but instead traded down to Minnesota. That's right. I forgot so about that. So Minnesota took, traded up for, <laughs> for Wallstead, and the Oilers took, like, what? two randoms what did the shark what did the sharks trade to get capital kakinen from the wild i need to know right now because i'm Uh, i want to know what i want to know what that contract was like what that deal was because i have a hard time believing the oilers couldn't have paid it it was goddamn. it was okay are you ready for this all the oiler the oilers got capital kakinen and 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 a 2022 fifth round draft pick just for jake middleton (laughs) like just for a defenseman who's playing on the Barracuda. Like, yeah. 
who I saw play like decent, like okay defenseman or Def- like yeah, okay defenseman. Fine defensive defenseman. Defenseman. Fine, totally yeah. fine. But that's what they paid for a de- like a really decent long-term backup goaltending, op- like a lo- decent long-term goaltending option. You're telling me the Oilers don't have that like somewhere sitting in Bakersfield? Like you've seen them. There's probably a defenseman there they could have moved to get, yeah, again, to get a good goalie and the draft coming back. That is insane because Kapo Kakinen only costs $725,000. And instead of like just going after that, they traded for Brett Kulak at 50% retained by giving up like some guy in two picks. <laughs> it's like, why? You like, you just had a goalie. You could have had for, a really like, half, a good young goaltender less. for half as much. And you could have maybe like found a way to bury like Mike Smith and the minors or given him to the Coyotes for some dirt yeah. cheap. Hey, the Coyotes would probably love Mike or, Smith right now. Like, or you know what happens? Uh, they throw Mike Smith on waivers and the Leafs pick him up for free because they are desperate for a goalie as well. After having right. just put Petter Mrazek on waivers and losing their Finnish goaltender, uh, Harry Sateri, Harry uh, to waivers. Name. Harry Sateri is a good name. Harry it's like a Monty is- Python name. It yeah it's it's a it's a it's got it's like Harry Carey that guy the the, the <laughs> Chicago Cubs guy uh, the the announcer who had, like that Will Ferrell I think uh, uh, did a parody of on like SNL a bunch of times mm. um yeah like I there is no way looking at that goalie market that the Oilers couldn't have paid a price for a decent young goaltender if not Capo Kakinen to somebody else that would have been a massive upgrade on Koskinen and Smith. And I'm just like, like they've made their own bed. Like this again, it's it's almost a fireable offense. Like no, sorry, yeah. not almost. It is a fireable it, it offense. It is. It really. It is. should be. It won't be it, because the others can't get out of their own way. But it was bad enough when when they did have cap space earlier in the season. They prioritized signing Evander Kane over a new goaltender. Like I'm sure, I'm sure they're loving that choice right now. Like I mean, he's been fine. Like scoring wise, he's been okay. But fine. again. But that but again, was not the issue. That was never yeah, the, the problem. The issue was never that he wasn't good. The issue is that he is a problem in the locker room and outside of it. So it it's does like not address any of the fundamental issues with the team is that in that they need a goaltender who can stop a puck and isn't 75 years old. Yeah, I, I again, it, it is mind boggling to me that like looking at it, especially like they've done the coaching change thing. It worked for a bit, and it's kind of done okay. But clearly, there's something fundamentally wrong with the goaltending, and they they had the they had the trade deadline had, to deal with it, and chose so not to. It's like it's like when someone like throws like like something in your way, and you have to jump over it. It's like instead of just like avoiding the obstacle, they just were like running right through it. Like, oh, okay, whatever. Like you had so many opportunities here to tackle this goaltending issue and instead didn't address it. And the way you chose to address it was like backwards logic. Like I'm going to extend the oldest goaltender by two years. I'm going to not buy out or trade the 36 year old. Who's like got one year left at $3 million to anyone who will take him or just throw him in the AHL and get anyone else instead I'm going to prioritize more forward depth and defensive depth. I'm going to prioritize Duncan Keith's contract. Like, oh, what a, that, what a, they're like, again, I am shocked that Connor McDavid hasn't asked for a trade out of there. Like there's, you know, he, 
I've I've been a very big I don't like Connor McDavid at all. He's like an emotionless robot and I think he's a complete asshole in real life. <laughs> so he gets everything well, he, he stole deserves. My like, he did yeah. that and that's just rude frankly he's yeah. like that he's that's not really considered how am i ever supposed to how am i ever supposed to play in the nhl now when i can't even be the most popular number 97 anymore well yeah, actually that's sorry. ridiculous so, yeah like Kirill kaprizov kind of did it too but he like it was later he's like, cool he gets a pass he gets a pass yeah yeah he's kind of cool so that that's fair but like yeah mcdavid like i i hope Bryce they miss the playoffs I, I like Drysidle. I like Drysidle. I really like. I've said before. I think on the show, I really wanted the Canucks to offer sheet Drysidle back in the day. Like, I really wanted them to go to like. I was like, hey, they should they should offer sheet this guy. And this was, I think, before he even had like the real offensive explosion. Like, it was right. still like he's still a little bit more niche, or well, like still a little right? bit developing. It, and I was like, oh, give him, give him nine, give him the well, nine or thing, right? They yeah. signed him to his seven or his nine point whatever million dollar deal before he really blew up and took over right he was still like a 50 or 60 point player he wasn't the above a point per game player that he is right now they were betting on him continuing to get better and it was a good bet uh they avoided a buyout or not a buyout a uh offer sheet situation and they've got like two of the best heart trophy candidates a team could get could ask for and it's still not good not enough like it's still not enough and like again like people and like you know you you think back to people like to like things like the penguins when like they took a while to get going with crosby and malkin right but even that by 09 they were already in the cup finals they already had a decent enough nucleus around the besides just those two including notably a goaltender in mark andre flurry like hey maybe you need one of those like when was the last okay when was the last time a team won with subpar goaltending? Like, like in terms of like, a like in playoffs, team, you mean in the, in the, yeah. Like won the Stanley cup with subpar goaltending. Cause like, I'd even like, it, like jury hmm. is out on Jordan Bennington, but like, I think back it's even, it's all the way back to like 2010 when Auntie Niemi and Cristobal Huey were the goalies for the Blackhawks. And they went on yeah. that weird run. And even then Niemi was, okay. yeah, that's the thing. Like, during the regular season, these guys were pretty average, but they found another gear in the playoffs. Like, like Cam Ward, for example, with the Hurricanes was like a was terrible during the year. He was like an 800 goaltender, and then in the playoffs, he he stole Damn the right. net and was like a 940 goaltender for playoffs and won them a cup. Like, yeah, he's- that's kind of what you kind of need. So, like the last 10, 15 years, like you see regular average goalie goalies come out of nowhere and put out like lights out performances but there hasn't really been like a guy who's like like just awful in playoffs and the team somehow overcomes it like it just doesn't happen or like at the very least like even if they say they weren't good at the beginning like they usually that it's like the coming out party for them a little bit like you look back like you look back yeah like you go back to like cam ward on like like the post lockout era like okay it's cam ward jaguar uh osgood who is already you know uh, chris osgood flurry yeah. uh cory crawford obviously tim thomas had that one weird year uh yeah. you have like yeah like there's then you like, have you jonathan go down quick then you have quick yeah vasilevsky you have As- tuka rask you have like like you basically have like a bunch of really great goaltenders and then it's yeah matt the murray and too, jordan yeah. bennington who were really young and arguably peaked as goaltenders in their final in those series where they won the cup like jordan bennington hasn't really adapted or played up to that playoff standard that he set that won him a cup matt yeah. murray 
like, Matt Murray fell is, off. Had some, yeah. Matt Murray has dealt with some weird stuff in his. In yes. He's had to deal with a couple things, but like overall, like yeah, he still went two years where he was one of the best goalies in the world for two years. Like yeah, sh- like the Oilers can't bank on this. Like they yeah. they a hundred percent can't. No team in the post lockout era has truly gone off mediocre goaltending to win a Stanley Cup. They're always yeah. either like you said, red hot during the postseason. Or they're a goaltender that's sustainably good over a long period yeah. of time. Like like Braden Holpe, like he was completely Holpe. fine for many years. And then even though he was older, like put up, finally kind of strung it together. Pekka Rene has always been that case too, right? Like one year he'd be really great. The next year he'd be kind of down. Next year he'd be great. And it finally worked out where his predators run with Nashville. He was finally playing to the level that the rest of his team was, which had never synced up before. And they went pretty far. Uh, Connor Hellebuck with the Jets. They went pretty far in the playoffs because they finally synced up with how good he was playing. Um, you Look can't... at Sergei Bobrovsky might be that guy this year for Florida. Yeah, maybe. Like you, you just can't bet on like a 36-year-old or a 40-year-old to f- just be like playoff caliber performers, especially when they're two years removed from getting embarrassed by the Chicago Blackhawks in a playoff series during the bubble in which they looked horrendous. Like, yeah. the, like, go, like God bless Mike Smith for still playing as a 40 year old, but he's not going to be find another gear and be a 960 goaltender. You know, the yeah. last time he was like a 930 goaltender in playoffs was when he was when fucking Phoenix in 2011, 12. Yeah. yeah. When he was like nice. 33 or 32 or whatever it was. He might yeah, have been dec- literally a decade, literally a decade ago, literally a full decade ago is when the yeah. last time that Mike Smith got probably the last time he played in the playoffs even. Right. Or no. Cause last year, I'm last, year, last year, but yeah, like it's just, yeah. you can't bet on it. And the fact that Ken Holland for all his experience with the Red Wings somehow doesn't understand that like, you can't just like bet on a bunch of elderly men to, to be your playoff like horses yeah yeah no you're they're not if the gear is not gonna yeah like you said the gear is not gonna magically reset the second the playoffs kick around they're not gonna suddenly age back 10 years what you're getting now is what you're getting that's all you had you had all year to fix it you had all year to see that that was clearly gonna be an issue and you didn't and now the oilers not only might you could you potentially miss the playoffs entirely at the very least, you're going to get slaughtered by a team that has strong goaltending. A team like, say, Minnesota, who just got Flurry and Cam- and has Cam Talbot as the backup in case that mm-hmm. doesn't work. Like Colorado has like Darcy Kemper, and if he can't do it, Travel Francois is okay. Like yeah. maybe he'll at- be the guy. Yeah, like there are so many. Like there are so many other teams, and we. This is why we've talked about it before with the Canucks, where with Halak they kind of needed that to be more of a one B. Um, like you look at all the playoff teams in the West, like every single one of them has a, just about every single one of them has a just as good backup option. If not, if only like slightly like a slight downgrade, right? Mm -hmm. Like with the exception of what, maybe Vegas, just because they're injured. Like uh, that's it. Yeah. They're you're cooked. The Oilers are not going far. Like, which is great for us against LA. Good for us. But yeah. Which is great because it'll be awesome seeing them lose to the Ontario Reign in the first round of the playoffs. I can't wait for that. Um, I haven't checked. Phil Deneau in the Ontario Reign. Apparently, did you see that that tweet where it was like Phil Deneau has like like his fifteen goals are more than anyone on the Habs this year? 
Oh, those poor guys. <laughs> They're officially eliminated from the playoffs, by the way, if that happens. Like, yes. Uh, yeah. Which Golden is, o is 21 goals. Good for him. Which is Holy pretty cow. crazy because I think that's two years. Actually, I don't know if it's two years in a row, but I know that's this might be one of the those like crazy years where it's like the f- previous Stanley Cup loser is the first team eliminated from playoff contention the f- next year. Like that's yeah. uh that's pretty great. I love that. Um, there um one there was one thing I did want to ask you before we go. One very sure. important question. You were talking earlier on on Twitter today. One thing you talked about, like in terms of if from a this is a Canucks thing. Um, you're talking about how Yashiro Hirano's contract is coming down to what its final game. I think it's his final game of this PTO. He's got yes. twenty four out of twenty five. Okay, mm-hmm. so yeah, and according to your tweet, you said he can ex- the Canucks can extend him by giving him a full AHL contract, or he's free to sign a PTO with another AHL squad, or he ends up just back in um, what what ECHL team, whatever ECHL team he was playing on. I forget exactly which one it was. It, uh, it was I think the Cincinnati Cyclones. I think. that's right. Yeah, that's right. It was the Cyclones. Um, I wanted to ask you: Do you think he'll? Do you think they're gonna give him the full contract? I imagine they would because he's outproducing some of their kids that are on the team and have been for like quite a while. Like during, so like the past, basically since I started uh, doing dog duty stuff and have stopped watching the team, uh, the team has seen basically like their entire top six, like just disappear because Justin Bailey blew out his shoulder in a fight or a fight that happened uh, when Boko Imama decided to slash Madison Bowie from the bench. Um, he blew out his shoulder, which I'm pretty sure was the same one that got injured by Milan Lucic. Uh, Phil D. Giuseppe's got injured. Sheldon Dries and Sheldon Rempal have taken turns uh, with the Canucks and have missed plenty of time. Nick Patan has missed most of the month because he's with the Canucks. And now Will Lockwood is also up with the Canucks. So they're basically missing their entire top six that was with them through most of the season. And despite all that, they've actually gone on a tear. They've won something like... 12 of their last like 16 games despite having missed most of these guys they're getting like unbelievable like scoring from all these depth players like yushiro Horano has like eight points in the team's last like 11 games um i think who is it madison bowie and Devonte stevens are both like on a like a heater they are both like a point per game over the team's last like six or seven games and they were not producing to start the year uh so with all these injuries and call-ups you see the depth kind of show up and when it doesn't teams lose but for the Abbotsford Canucks sakes you've got like a guy named John Stevens guy that nobody in the fan base knows or is even aware exists is like that old Kings coach (laughs) yeah exactly uh yeah he's actually his son actually John Stevens Jr. is his real name oh get out that's yeah um but yeah you they're the team's basically seeing like all of these depth AHL players and like role guys basically just come out of nowhere and score and produce for them. And Yushiro Hirano is one of those kids where he's, you know, not meant to really be anything more than just like a fourth line piece to play six or seven minutes a night and not really produce, but he's impressed with his shot. He's got a lethal shot and it's warranted a top six look, which is saying something because you have kids like Danila Klimovich or Carson Folk who are, young enough that you would think they would just throw him in a top six role to see if they could handle it and their skills would translate, but they're not getting the opportunity. Uh, guys like Hirano or Tristan Nielsen or Chase Waters are getting the top six looks, which is, 
another one of those condemnations of the Canucks uh, drafting and prospect pool that these, you know, AHL contract uh, guys are outproducing their drafted peers and playing better on special teams than they are. But it's good for the farm team. I kind of hope he gets re-signed because I don't know. It's, it's good diversity, and yeah. he's got a he's got a lethal shot. So it's like whatever. Like we'll take what we can get. Take whatever cool stories we can get. And uh, yeah, these are kind of want that. These yeah, are these the are the lottery ticks you want, right? Like, what's the what's the harm in having another guy on an AHL contract? He comes in next year and he gives you twenty points in a sixty-two game season. Sure, why not? Yeah, especially Still considering. You're, yeah, especially considering you're going into a, like what you've called before, like a guaranteed playoff like uh, attempt for opportunity for them. That right? is so like might as that well. That is the thing. They like. I think a lot of people forget like it's a it's a seven team playoff series for the Pacific Division out of nine. So you basically have to be god awful to be knocked out. And that's exactly what the San Jose Barracuda and the San Diego Gulls were for the majority of the season. Or it might have been the Roadrunners. I can't remember. But point stands. The Canucks are locked in. They have there's no chance that they get knocked out at this point. And so at this point, what they need to be doing is preparing depth options for the event that all of these guys who are with the Canucks, maybe they get injured and they don't return. You need bodies available to you for a Calder playoff push. If that is indeed what the team is going for. And uh, we'll see what happens. I hope he gets resigned. So we'll see what happens. All right. Me too. Uh, Otherwise folks, this has been another episode of the Canucks conversation. Oh wait, never mind. No, it hasn't. <laughs> this is the, this has been the van cast. Wait, this, this yeah, this, this is the Canucks uh, hour. Okay, yeah. okay. Let 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 a let a let a professional do this. This has been uh this has been a uh, cap space wins cups. No, oh, oh, shoot. this <laughs> no. has been trust the process. Uh, this has been thirty two thoughts with your hosts <laughs> Jeff Friedman and Elliot <laughs> Merrick. <laughs> Which one? Tag yourself. I'm Elliot Merrick. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of have the. Actually, I guess you have the hair for Elliot Friedman. I'm kind of more of the. I got the tattoos. You from have Merit, the beard, so that makes sense. You have the, and you have the. I think you have more of like the MMA, uh, the MMA knowledge than I do. I think this that's a merit thing. That's a merit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, he just like rolls out MMA knowledge, and I always forget. Like, right, that's your thing is fighting. I got yeah. that. I, I, yeah, that tracks. Um, yeah, that tracks. But anyways, folks, uh, this has been a a fun episode, despite the fact that the Canucks lost tonight. Um, we will see you or I will see you guys next week and you can follow me at Twitter on well on Twitter at Cody Sievertson. My website is ahlnuxharvest.com. But honestly, the way things are going right now, I would be shocked if I even recap a game before this season's over. I haven't touched tracking in like whenever I sent you that message being like it took me two hours to do a period. That was like, that was like two and a half weeks ago. I have not looked at it since. Like I have just done nothing. You might be. I'm basically looking at like, I'm looking at playoffs or resetting for next season and just like calling it a wash just because like I, my whole, my whole clock is just completely off. Yeah. So, but at least, you'll know I'm watching the games and I can provide commentary. I'll clip games when I can, but actual writing recaps, like you try doing that with a dog nipping at your feet every five seconds. It's just not possible, folks. Lil Murph Mellow doesn't give a fuck what dad got to do. He's just a shithead who wants to bite and be an asshole. But Lachlan, where are loving father? What an affectionate father. Wow. What a dog dad. Uh, Lachlan, where can the fine folks find your work? Because you're not being interrupted by a shitty dog who bites you. 
I wish. You could. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Lock in the Crease. You can find my writing work over at CanucksArmy.com. I post there pretty frequently. You and uh, oh, by the way, uh, uh, shameless plug. Uh, if you if you are not if you're not doing anything, I think Wednesday the sixth, the night the Canucks play the Knights in Vegas, uh, Canucks Army and the Broadscast are doing a watch party over at the Pint Vancouver. I think on Abbott Street. I think is the, the correct one. If I've got that correctly. Yeah. Um, more information, I'm sure, on that by next to show for sure, at least. Um, and but uh, yeah, if you want to meet me, uh, if you want to meet uh, the real stars like uh, Quads and Faber <laughs> and Clarissa, I think Clarissa said she's going. That's the that's you, the real star there. You should um, absolutely go and set up like a table, <laughs> like, like like a really free autographs. And like, like a just really trying to act like it, the party's for you and not yeah them. meet Lo- meet Lachlan and it's just a bunch of like it's like, like it's like actor stills or like what yeah, are the headshots, headshots like where it's yeah. like it's just me like hmm, yeah. like 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 I look at my range <laughs> I, so like I want to go but like obviously like with the dog schedule like just getting down there and back in time for like bedtime at nine o'clock it would just be like such a waste of time for me to go. But I would love to print off a bunch of headshots and go down there and offer autographs. We'll it would be so funny. You know, you know what we'll do? We'll do we'll do the the new version of JPAD on a stick, where it's Cody on a stick, and I'll just have people sign your face. I don't have like, a flat. I don't have a flat enough face though. Like when I have like the lighting, it just doesn't look flat. I got a very round looking skull. You got a good. You, know? you got a good face for it, though. For okay. one of those, those though, you do have. Yeah, I just need like I just need the blowout lighting to make me look really flat, like JPEG. Because like that's why that picture's so funny. Is he's so blown out that he just looks like a piece of paper? But like, there's other photos of him that he's flat taking JPAT. where he still looks like a flat JPEG, and it's like normal lighting. I think he's just like that pale. So maybe he'll show up. That'd be pretty funny. <laughs> he's not showing up on this show after he said that. Apparently, uh, yeah, all right, he'll show up. Yeah, you might. Um, and uh, yeah, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash creasecast uh, for $1 and $5 tiers. You can check that out as well. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else I am missing today. I think that's pretty much uh, everything. We might actually have some news coming up about the show uh, pretty soon, actually. Uh, some some cool news, some good news. Uh, if but you're yeah. watching our YouTube channel, you'll see me raising my eyebrows very, very Who, interestingly, inquisitively. What could it, what could it what be? What could this all mean? what could it mean we are like what what there was something really oh there was somebody was teasing something recently i forget what it was uh i don't know oh we didn't even get to talk about the leafs reversible jerseys today we'll have to do that next show oh well next time next time folks until then though we'll catch you on the friday show bye guys bye